0: nerds of the nerd imperium welcome to this week's episode of the currently nerdy podcast we are your inner conclave of nerds. my name is diz and i am your pop culture and sports nerd ali
1: i am ali your classic nerd
0: and i'm a vm um, comic nerd yo so there's two things i want to bring up first ali i need you to interpret a dream for me okay All right. i <laughs> last night when i was dreaming i i dreamt that i got a uh And a Tony Stark Iron Man tattoo as he was snapping his fingers doing the gauntlet. And like, while I was getting the tattoo, I was crying emotional tears for Tony Stark. Mm. So what does that dream mean? Does that mean Uh, I'm sexually attracted to Iron Man?
1: It means like most things in your life, you make hasty decisions that you eventually regret. Oh just mm. <laughs> yeah, for, fortune cooked to your ass. <laughs> that was a good one. Someone write that down quickly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like should, i to be honest like... with you, I once considered making a line of Ali Olomi fortune cookies where they're like they, they include fortunes that are like less than positive. You know like fortune cookies, like most of it's like really positive. No <laughs> one walks away with a fortune cookie upset. Right? Like that's yeah. the that's the brand. It's like no one's unhappy with fortune cookies. I mean they, I am. They leave a they leave a pleasant taste in your mouth. You eat as many I as mean, you can. You know, uh, they're not that good, but shut <laughs> up. Shut the <laughs> fuck uh and they give you a pleasant fortune, right? Everyone loves yeah. fortune cookies. But I thought what a brand it would be if it was like fortune cookies that like called you out on your shit.
0: Just like mean fortune cookies. Like,
1: like not mi- mean, not, not like, like
2: misfortune cookies.
0: Not
1: like misfortune cookies. Like that's just too far. But I mean like like keeping it real fortune cookies like you shouldn't spend money on this chinese food lord knows mm-hmm. you couldn't use the you don't need the extra pounds. something like that yeah, wow. yeah. Or your blood pressure is already
2: too high, high. put that so one in there
1: just keeping it real right just right down there like your dreams lead you to success too bad the success is as fleeting as your dreams you know something along oh, those lines. wow
0: yeah
1: you know
2: i if it were up to me i would uh and you know, it'd only be right a couple of times, but I want to put in a, in a for one of these horse cookies, this is exactly the reason why your husband left you, Carol. Right. <laughs> you put that in there, right? No, and so then good. I would I would Break work the them. minimum wage job at Panda Express just to see the expression on people's faces when they get that cookie.
1: Well, see, the thing I love the thing that would be great about that particular one is that ninety nine percent of the time it would uh-huh. be meaningless. Yeah. You know, like they'd just be like, okay, what? But then that like 0.01% when a carol gets it, it hits home.
2: And, yeah, uh, and those are the moments I live for.
0: Oh, man. you But you can't, dude. Most of the carols I know have that, like, let me talk to the manager haircut. And you know damn well they're going to fucking go to the manager of like Panda Express and be like, what the hell is this? You guys are targeting me, blah, 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 blah,
2: blah. And that's the beauty of it, though, right? Because the, the then the fortune literally fulfills itself again, because that's the reason why the <laughs> husband left.
0: <laughs> I mean, you got a point there. But still, I don't understand how me having a dream about getting a fucking Tony Stark Iron Man snapping his fingers with a gauntlet tattoo means that I make hasty decisions in my life. I don't understand this. I think it's pretty obvious i don't know man whatever Mm -hmm. dude Mm -hmm. you guys are terrible um we did we were we had a riveting discussion prior to getting on that i that i cut off a little um so in typical currently nerdy news i uh was taking a poop before i came on to the uh podcast and and then i had to drive here so like i when they asked like hey are we recording a little bit i'm like yeah it's gonna be closer this time because i gotta poop then drive and then uh ali was saying that or no, V said, if only you could do both at the same time. And then we were we were talking about self-driving cars with toilets in them. And which turned out to be a conversation on self-driving cars and why of all the people on our podcast who didn't trust them, why V didn't trust the technology for self-driving mm-hmm. cars. I, I mean, I don't
2: understand how anyone could trust a self-driving well, you, car.
1: You weren't sure. You didn't know that they were actually out on the street already.
2: Yeah, I didn't know there was actual. I thought they were just in the testing phase and that shit.
1: Well, most no, of Tesla it has is it. in the testing phase, and there's still a lot to be developed. But Tesla's put the Tesla car, whatever the, the Tesla, whatever it's called, right? That car, it has a self-driving feature. But apparently, it's like it only really works on the freeways, and you got to be careful. You got to put your hands still on it. mm mm-hmm. uh, but like it got, the bunch, it went viral a few times in this past year because uh, people were like filming people going falling asleep at the wheel and doing other stuff. The one guy that filmed the the person who was asleep, the guy who wasn't asleep, he said he was leaning back, just relaxing. Oh yeah. But but in general, like it, it's gone a bit viral. But you know, it is a technology that is. We'll see. You know, like it's still developing, but. Of all the technological developments, it's the one I actually like. Yeah, bring it on.
0: That's because you're lazy.
1: Yeah, well, not I'm not lazy. I'm lazy when it comes to driving.
0: Well, okay, you're lazy here's when it comes difference. to a lot of things. Okay, if you could never bring your groceries in from your car into your house, and like you just had like a magic button that could do it, you would do it. You would wait for V and I to come over to record the podcast to bring your water up from your car. You That's lazy true. I did.
1: I did. Look, here's the thing. I believe that any type of automation that keeps me from exerting myself i'm for (laughs) Mm -hmm. like i am a big believer in like self-driving cars i like the idea that your groceries will be you know this is why i like things being delivered right to me right uh anything that can like like if it makes that stuff easier i'm all for it anything that involves information gathering I'm uh-huh. not okay with. That's what makes yeah, me yeah. uncomfortable. Information okay. gathering, surveillance, robots. So like if someone's like, oh, we've got this robot that'll carry your bags, like, no, I don't trust it. Right? <laughs> but if it's like a button I push and it like it's on a conveyor belt, yeah. All for it, right?
2: <laughs> okay. Or if it's, so you're up. you're in automation oh, okay. from like the fifties.
1: Yeah, I like I'm like a steampunk automation. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> like <laughs> I like it to be automated, but within reason, like if, it it goes, be po- powered if
2: it's powered by too, steam.
1: Yeah. If it's too futuristic, if it involves like that, it could possibly make decisions. Then I'm not okay.
0: Oh, right? so you're not, a, you're not a fan of that giant spider that uh, was in wild, wild west from uh, yeah, I, don't, V's, I, don't, V's boy? I don't like shut
1: up. I don't like the first of all, it reminds me too much of slavery. The idea okay. of having robots what? that can think for themselves—you know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah. like, okay, does it have a consciousness? Does it have a free will? I'm not okay with that. I don't want to deal with the fucking ethical crisis because I want something to bring my groceries in, right? You, you had know, no problem not, with us
2: bringing groceries in.
1: That's not an ethical crisis, right? You're, you're, you're indentured <laughs> servants. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, like, I'm I'm uncomfortable with any type Rich of bastard. robotic consciousness. AI surveillance, but everything else, I'm all for. In fact, I'm actually frustrated the technology hasn't gone far enough in certain instances. Sometimes I see shit in Japan. Like I love the fact that you could just put all your groceries on this thing on in Japan and it
0: like it bags them for you. But But, like I love that. That's great, great job. You're taking away jobs from people, right? Because there's people who are actual baggers at the grocery store. That was my first job ever at like 14 years old. I bagged groceries. There's let's, no, but it's all, not just teenagers. The, uh, the here's alley. the thing: the it's, automation the kids thing. with special needs or here's adults with special needs. They the do. There's groceries.
1: a million other jobs at the groceries that will uh, immediately benefit from those people. Here's the thing: the theory is that if we increase automation, right, that they will take jobs from ordinary workers. And I think that that's in certain instances that can be true, and we should be careful of it, right? We saw it in the case of factories, right? Factories now mm-hmm. produce cars rather than individuals. But I also believe there's a there's a really great article about this that indicates that this, some of those fears are overblown. That yes, automation can affect certain fields, and it should be regulated, and people should be very careful about it. And, you know, watch it very closely. Uh, But on the same instance, um, what will end up happening is that as you automate things, other types of jobs will open up like the main maintenance, uh, you know, being maintenance for the computers or, or making or supervising or whatnot. So I'm a big believer in automated bagging. I'm not a hundred percent behind self-checkout. Okay. See, the self-checkout makes me a little uncomfortable because that it does look like it's removing workers, Right. You have mm-hmm. one person that launches that thing, five of those things, six of those things, or whatnot. That to me, I'm like, all right, that's a problem. Right. right. But other forms of automation, I'm OK with. Right. I'm OK with if I put my a thing on a conveyor belt, it bags it for me. Makes it easy. Right. That I'm OK with. And then you have to put I'm your
0: groceries not, in order. Because I was going to tell it, like, not put your bread on the bottom.
1: Well, here's the thing the, the way the machine works as far as I'm understanding it, now I don't live in Japan, so I could be 100% wrong with this. Anyone who's from Japan, tell us. Is that it actually senses, the way it works is the entire grocery store is automated. It senses Uh, what you take off of the shelf,
0: mm -hmm.
1: that you place into your carriage or whatnot. You put the carriage onto the conveyor belt. While you're paying, it knows how to automatically wrap those things up in a way that doesn't damage anything or whatnot.
0: That's ergonomical. Apparently, but, you, but here's, that the
1: here's, here's the thing, here's the issue with it. If it knows that you're taking that shit, that means there's some level of surveillance or tracking going on.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's how um, ads work internet. on the internet now. Like, the things that you buy, you're going to find, it's like when when I buy something off of Amazon or whatever, you know, I will automatically get ads for either accessories or something along those lines, Um, you know, for the at least for the next week or so. Mm-hmm. You should be the comfortable things.
1: out of all of us with technology, Diz. I mean, you're feel- alive on it.
2: I, no, I do feel the
0: most comfortable with technology. I'm not against technology, but things that I am against are like, um, you know, automated baggers because I feel like that was one of my first – that was my first job as a bagger, right? Automated self-checkouts. I'm, a, I'm not a fan of those because I've worked as a cashier before. Um, things that that take away from, like, workers is what I'm annoyed with. But things I mean, that make the, tech, the experience – The tech
1: industry is going to do that. The tech industry is going to take away jobs. Right. Yeah. But mm-hmm. now their argument is that they're creating other jobs, right? That's their claim. Uh, there's some evidence for it. I don't think it's 100% on board. I think it's pretty clear that a lot of jobs will be get lost in the in the kind of transition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that, you know, they're not considering that. They're not thinking about like, oh, what was the human cost going
2: to be? Yeah. But there's- I mean, how many maintenance people are you really going to need to maintain a whole store's worth of right. Of, of, right? Well, I mean, like,
1: grocery stores here have robots already. I don't know if yeah, they don't have surprisingly they don't have them in Socal.
0: Well no, okay, so look, here here's um at at my the company that I work for, right? Yeah. Um we have one IT guy for the whole district, right? Yeah. And he literally deals with everything, whether it's like the cash registers, whether it's the computers, yeah. whatever it is. He's the one guy that is in control of that. Whereas before we had people who worked that who did just inventory stuff. We had people that did right. uh, stuff for the, the cash register and stuff. So like we automated all this other shit and we just have one person doing the job that like three or four other people were doing. And in right. the company's mind, I was like, well, we were paying too much for the service because we were that's paying. That, three people. I mean, that,
1: that's the, that's the marketing of the of it. Right. It's like yeah. tech people who do this market it as you're going to save costs. Right? Mm-hmm. You're not going to pay that much for workers. You're not paying for health benefits. You're not paying for whatnot. And that's the problem. That's the real question. The Marxist in me is uncomfortable with the loss of jobs. The uh, technophobe in me is uncomfortable with what technology is capable of. The Foucaultian in me is worried that all of this stuff is leading to a massive surveillance state. It's so like yeah. on three separate levels. I'm like, I'm not so sure about this. Yeah, yeah but the, the
2: Ali part of you is like, oh, man, I really don't want to get out of bed.
1: But the uh, the Ali part of me is going, any form of convenience is fantastic. There is a robot here at the grocery store that I saw. It's like a little, I don't know what it looks like. It looks like a, a giant dildo is the only way I can describe it. it oh, what the like fuck? It's like a big, giant, phallic-looking thing.
2: Are you can- sure you were at the market I'm 100% Was that sure. the, okay? And it
1: just kind of it kind of moves around the aisles. It sort of sweeps and uh, maintains things, and it just it just bu- buzzes. It's this big thing, like it looks like a okay, it looks like a tower, really, like a moving tower, and it moves from like aisle to aisle. And they put Is it googly, like, they put googly eyes on it?
0: It's this. It's the same thing that they have like hotels and shit. No,
1: I think some hotels have it now too. Yeah,
0: where it's
2: just I've, like it brings I've only, your shit.
1: I haven't seen it at SoCal, the grocery stores, but I do see them here. I was tempted to knock it over.
2: Hmm. Oh, well, see, no, that's how the Matrix starts, though. Yeah, stop. So you with start, machine, you start, by bu- you start abusing the machines, and they're gonna start fighting back because they're gonna well, become sentient.
1: Well, that's the thing is, like, there's a whole like on the internet they keep showing like these various like trial videos, like, oh, look what's coming up. So they showed the cop one, right, the robot cop that pulls you over for speeding. Oh, great. A cop that maintains parks.
0: Isn't no to shoot black people?
1: And then she just, <laughs> it's really fucked up. Then uh, there's another one that's delivery. So like you order food and it looks like a little, like a four wheel, like almost like remote controlled car thingy. Yeah. But a little bit bigger with heated uh, oven in it. And uh-huh. it brings your food right to you. You type in your code and you can take your food out. Yeah. And, and people are always like, if I see that thing, I'm going to throw it into the lake. If I see uh-huh. it, I'm gonna beat the shit out of it. Well, it turns out that they've been like using it in certain like business centers and stuff. Uh-huh. Well, the funny thing is that they're actually not automated, they're remote controlled and they've been outsourced to like people in El Salvador. Uh-huh. So there's like <laughs> some poor guy in El Salvador who's sitting there driving these things remotely, bringing a bunch of rich people their fucking food.
2: Oh, See wow. that's even worse though. See that that's worse? how that's how super villains start because now he's gonna have his f- controlled army, the like, army of robots, fighting against the rich because they abused all of his, you know, all of his uh, his poor minions this whole time. And the next thing you know, you know, like some dude with a bunch of emotional problems because you know he's been getting fucked over by the rich this whole time and another continent is gonna start taking over the I'm world. You, shit,
1: this is this is a recipe for disaster. I am I'm not a hundred percent for the advancements in AI. I'm okay with certain automations, self-driving cars, mm-hmm. right? Self-driving cars, or I want, I want the drone that flies you places. Give me that.
0: Like you just yeah. get into like a just little get, helicopter I just type order
1: my, I want to order one of those things, get in that fucking helicopter and get to the airport or get to wherever I'm going really quickly. I like that. It's, I like it even more. If you can create it as some sort of like mass transport, like that'd be awesome. Right. All for that. Right. That type of stuff, I'm 100% behind. My mm-hmm. biggest concern is that what we're dealing with here is the kind of d- bifurcation of the word progress. Uh-huh. So what it, how people define progress varies. In the early 19th and 20th century, progress in particular was rooted in m- mechanization, right? Uh-huh. Industrialization, the rise of machines, the rise of technology, and the rise of efficiency was all seen as... Uh, the key to modernity and progress. Uh-huh. All sorts of debates about this. We could talk about it globally, right? But that the 20th yeah. century in particular then introduced the idea that progress wasn't just about human innovation, right? Like what the sciences and technology can provide, but also about rights. And that's the- What core, do you mean by that? That's the core of liberalism, that that progress means more and more equal rights, And that's how you measure progress. Are you progressing or have rights increased? Now, historians have always been very hesitant about that, right? Because we believe progress isn't linear. Things don't get better or worse. They just are, right? Sometimes they move backwards. Sometimes they move sideways. Sometimes it's contradictory. That's just the way it is, right? Uh So we note that the problem is that both of these things are still markers of progress. In other words... While we go, yeah, we want more rights, we want more equality, we want more whatever, we also are going, progress means we need newer, newer technological advancements. The two, however, never are in conversation with one another, or at least the conversation is not robust. The people in the tech field define progress in innovation, and so long as they do so in that way, then they're not asking the question of, if I make this thing, what is the human cost? Does it take someone's right to a livelihood? Does it take someone's rights away? So Amazon isn't asking the question of how its fucking massive surveillance apparatus is going to be used by ICE. In fact, it markets it to ICE and sells it to ICE, right? Mm-hmm. But in in Amazon's language, there's no issue there because it's making progress, right? You see what you're following me here? Because Mm -hmm. it's using the language of technological progress, so long as it's innovating, they're not worried about the liberal ethical considerations of it. And so long as there's a divide, a bifurcation between the word progress, we're going to continue to run into these massive ethical dilemmas because you're you're not going to have scientists and innovators and entrepreneurs and all these people who go, hmm. Should I or should I not do this thing? Should I create an app called Bodega that's going to basically put all bodegas out of business in New York City? That's not what they're asking. They're saying, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to make this thing easier, more efficient. That's a sign of progress. The old bodega, that's 20th century. We're in the 21st century. As long as these two conversations are separate and they're not intertwined with one another, we're going to continue to run into these fucking problems. And I don't want the AI conversation to happen while this stuff is bifurcated in this way as separate streams.
0: Hmm. Man, you say a lot of stuff on this podcast. With It's like I know I'm afraid of saying certain things on here yeah. because like, I'm afraid it might like. Have like repercussions? Are you afraid you might have repercussions saying some of this shit? Like you being anti-technology and all. What, this? Like
1: someday I'm gonna get <laughs> it, like what, the, the robots are gonna come for me. Is that what you're asking?
0: Yeah, right. Like one day you're gonna pay for what you said on this because podcast.
1: I've been like, because I was the uh, robot skeptic, is what you're trying to say.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think so. Some fucking the AI is, is gonna come after you.
1: I have come to the conclusion. I have come to accept, I should say, that if AI were to begin to rule the world, I'd become a rebel.
0: Hmm. Like so, what you would just start your own fucking clan would, attacking I the would, fucking robots?
1: Wouldn't I'm like I'm not claiming to go into terrorism, right? As, as you're implying, but <laughs> okay. I would say that I'd become like the opposition party, and uh, I'm okay. I'm resigned to that. I'm okay to be the person that goes slow down. Something's not hmm. right here, because I, for one, took the Matrix seriously.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Okay, you're our Morpheus. I mean, you're bald. I am. I like uh, dreams. You're, you're, you're wise.
1: Sometimes. I yeah, do kung yeah. fu.
0: Yeah, you did kung fu.
1: <laughs> I did kung fu. And I you
0: to... wear random glasses.
1: I do. <laughs> but his glasses are, are sunglasses. <laughs> Not, reading. But they're like
0: weird looking. They're
1: weird looking. And I would say I would love that leather trench coat.
0: Yeah, I could see you pulling it off. I'd
1: totally do it. If it wasn't the fact yeah, that the fucking yeah. Columbine kids ruined it for the rest of us.
0: Yeah, I mean, look... I'm just saying there's consequences and repercussions for saying shit on podcasts. Yes. And um, I mean, I, I was hearing a story about a V I think you were talking about it earlier uh, with that dude from SNL.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, with the uh, uh, Shane Gillis.
0: Yeah. What happened with that? I know he just, he's, I heard he said some shit on a podcast.
2: Yeah. Well, it was his podcast. It was like the secret show with, I think it was Matt and Shane, you know, it was some uh, random white guy's names. But one of them is Shane Gillis. Now, um, the issue, and I don't know if you guys heard it or not, because I I decided to listen to it. And, you know, when you hear exactly what they said, you know, I wasn't particularly insulted by it per se. But I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that, you know, it sounded like typical kind of frat boy, white person rambling right uh being casually racist i mean the thing that kind of struck me the worst is you know his kind of liberal use of of asian racial slurs and also you know mm. his 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 uh propensity for you know r- pronouncing things and kind of this like broken asian accent right mm. yeah it's uh it's it's really messed up because it's it's that's them riffing on you know on how dirty chinatown is and how the Chinese people created MSG and how horrible it was for you. It's like it's just some ignorant ass shit, man, yeah. for real. Like if you listen to it, it's just ignorant as fuck, right? It's not like it's not I wouldn't say it's egregious, mm. but like it is, you know, like growing you know, Ali and I grew up in a predominantly white community and in well, a orange county a rich white community. Right, yeah.
1: My Virginia community that I grew up was predominantly black.
2: Yeah, yeah. So but like, you know, our middle school and high school years, yeah. um, you know in college years we're, were around rich white orange county and you know I I, I wish I, I wish it wasn't like this but I had to say like it wasn't that far away from things that I heard you know people that I knew talk about right um you know I I, I, w- I want people to listen to it because I think it's important right some people obviously don't think it don't find it to be insulting I consider it to be kind of offensive for some people but you know it, I it, it's kind of shitty but like you know, the reality is like, uh, Shane Gillis had just gotten on to SNL, right. He had just gotten hired on SNL with two other comics, one of them being an openly gay Asian man. Um, you know, and this whole controversy overshadowed, you know, that, that part of, Mm -hmm. of the hiring. And, you know, it kind of, I think it, it, you know, in its own weird way, it like erased the, another Asian experience just by the nature of what it did. Right. Right. So it's just, it's so fucked up. And like, you know, he, he talks about how he's, you know, he's a comic that, that kind of tries to break boundaries or whatever else, but like, there was nothing about breaking boundaries. Doesn't mean that you go on rants about, about, you know, uh, Asian people and about their Chinese food and about MSG and about all that other crap. Uh, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing groundbreaking about that. Mm. In fact, like, in fact, it's, it is the, it is the oldest hat in the, you know, it's just, it's old hat it's fucked you know people think that they're being controversial by saying a bunch of shitty words and you know it ends up making you sound number one ignorant as shit and it also you know it makes it just makes you look like crap mm. you know um i i don't know if you've heard or not elite but i feel like you know if if you heard it and you kind of listened to the way they talked i think you could probably attest that there's people that we know that probably spoke that way maybe not that offensively right. but would run along those that's same his lines.
1: defense, right? So like, it's not that he's making jokes because there's a thing between like racial jokes and being racist, right? Like, yeah, he's using yeah, racial yeah. slurs, right? Well, let's be clear. I heard like when I listened to it, I'm like, he's not just cracking jokes about it, which can be problematic, but there's a way of kind of like jest jesting about stereotypes right there's that Mm -hmm. and then there's there's the contrast with like actually using racial slurs and that's the difference like he's actually using racial slurs but his argument is is that you know i'm not actually racist i tested this stuff out with my white audience and they respond to this form of comedy so his argument is that doesn't make it okay his argument is like well people are responding to this right That doesn't, one, make it okay, and two, it's an indication of the complicity of white people. White people really don't understand. They still don't get what racism is. They think racism Mm -hmm. means the intentional harming of someone's feelings. If someone didn't intend it that way, then it can't be racist. That's not what racism means. Oh, well, I'm not actually prejudiced. I just
0: happened to use the N-word. Guess what? You're
2: a racist.
0: I don't I don't I don't even think it's that overt Ali I think it's like look I'm not a racist but there's a lot more crime that happens in black neighborhoods compared to white well, neighborhoods. Well
1: the thing is that the, uh, that's what I'm saying it's like no one the people who are saying this don't understand what racism means for them yeah, racism exactly. has become something that other people do that bad people do, but they aren't bad and therefore they can't be racist. It doesn't include any type of structural analysis. It doesn't include any kind of particular understanding of, of of demographic prejudice, of unconscious bias, all those factors. None of that. There's no awareness of it. Take for this shame guy is a prime example, right? Not only does this come into... You know, play during the time when they're hiring uh, an Asian cast member, but that it comes into play because they're hiring one of their first Asian cast members in a long time, right? This is yeah. NSL, SNL has been called out for this, right? And so this yeah. is the issue. The issue is that there's no awareness of that. There's no acknowledgement of that. Instead, all the conversation is about Shane. All the conversation is about him. And there's people who go, oh, you know he's not racist, but look, you guys have gotten him fired. Look, I don't care if he personally hates Asian people or not. I can't read his heart or mind. But what I can do is interpret his words and actions. That's it. I'm not going to play the game of let's interpret, right, whether someone really meant to be racist or not. That's not my job. I don't care what your intentions are. The only thing I can do is tell by what you say and what you do. And his actions and his words indicate racism.
0: Yeah, but here's the thing, right? So, like, Norm MacDonald spoke out against, like, SNL for for firing him. He's, he tweeted at him. He's like, hey, Shane, I'm so sorry. I can't even imagine how you feel. You know, the work it takes to get to that show and then get it snatched away by some guy who does spoken bird poetry. It's unacceptable. DM me, pal. You know, like, when you have a moment. Like, you, you can't just... Like, I don't know what it is, right? I think... I've heard this a lot with comedians um, like Bill Burr being another example who, who got called out, you know, for like using like some racist things or Joe Rogan for when like he goes against like women and like they get called out on it. They're like, well, at what point is like comedy not comedy anymore? Like we're doing this because it's shock and awe comedy. And don't get me wrong, dude. I fucking love comedy. Like I my free time, I'm sitting there watching like stand up from like steve hofstetter i'm i'm watching all sorts of different comedians like uh, bobby lee and uh, and guys like that so i i love stand-up comedy and i understand that there's some things that get said in stand-up comedy that are a little harsh and like are a little uncomfortable for you to hear but when you're like playing on tropes or you're making racist remarks at what point does it, it is it not funny anymore right like that's, I think, the problem is these days. Do you think they could just say shit in the jest of comedy and they could just get away with it? And that's not how it works anymore. Well, the
1: question isn't even about stereotypes because some, some st- you could play to stereotypes. The question is, are you contributing to harm? Mm-hmm. That's the real question. Like, people who often talk about this in terms of like sort of like PC culture, they forget that George Carlin was, in, in, was not in any way, shape, or form PC, but somehow he managed to be humorous without punching down at different racial groups. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His humor managed to call out uh, rapists, drug like you know addicts, all sorts of groups right drug dealers, uh, the rapists, the murderers, put them all on an island. He managed to do that without saying, let's talk about black crime yeah right? like he managed to do that without falling into racial stereotypes. He managed to talk about things like uh, government handouts or uh, the role of government without making about race. He managed to talk about things without making it about gender. And what I mean is like he did it wasn't that he was colorblind and it certainly mm-hmm. wasn't that he didn't understand sexism, is that his humor was targeted at the powerful. His humor was targeted at being accessible to ordinary people without playing to ordinary people's prejudices.
0: You know who I was shocked by? Were... Sorry, go ahead. Oh. Uh, well, no, no, finish, finish your statement. And then... I was just
1: saying, if your comedy plays to people's prejudices, then what you're doing is not comedy, but a lowbrow form of exploitation that contributes to a culture of
0: harm. And, and so along those lines, someone I was shocked... Who actually was like for the suspension of uh, Shane Gillis was Rob Schneider, right? Because we know Rob Schneider has had very fucking problematic like things in the past. Like he played like an Asian Jewish uh, minister. I thought
1: Rob Schneider tweeted out his support for Shane Gillis. No, he
0: said there's a difference between exposing truths through free speech and just being ugly. It's not okay to say racist things under the guise of comedy. Just because you have a mic in your hand doesn't make the racist things you say any less racist
1: hmm.
0: yeah it so surprised he was the other comedian norm
2: mcdonald
1: no i know i know norm mcdonald but there's another one that i thought well i mean of, oh God.
2: schneider i mean his original tweet was he said he was sorry that he had the misfortune of being a cast member during this era of cultural unforgiveness That's where comedic thought, misfires yeah. are subject to the intolerable inquisition of those who never risked bombing on stage themselves so he's right. not i don't you know like he's not completely you know like uh, this isn't completely a positive thing on his part and remember schneider is a, you know he's kind of nuts you know mm-hmm. like his his implicit support of the trump administration during the election is pretty bad but like you know there was i mean that it was his original tweet and i think he eventually had to elaborate on it as people were responding to that original one
0: yeah i just, you know? I just
2: saw his response to it okay because like yeah. his original tweet was in support of shane gillis you know like and then You know, and and, and, you know, eventually he had to go into saying the difference between exposing truths through free speech and just being ugly. Right. But that was after he had support. He had supported Gillis about talking about how the culture is not forgiving of of the things that you've said. So it's you know, he's not it's just as problematic. Like, it's not like it's not like he was uh, one of these guys that was completely, you know, above reproach here. You know, mm-hmm. because he had his, he started in a specific way, and then he he had to backpedal a little bit eventually, because I think people were starting to call him out a little bit on that. I mean, as they rightly should have, if if that's what he originally said, you know, like.
1: Mm-hmm. Part part of the problem too is like th- that. I think there is a weird acceptance of anti Asian uh, bigotry. There is yeah, right? so I, absolutely there is like like if a guy if a white comedian was dropping the N word. There would be less questioning. Yeah, there would still be some pockets of of, of white conservatives like, oh no, whether you know free speech. But in general, it would be universal. Like, hey, come on, right? Yeah. But because he's dropping Asian racial, racial slurs, there's almost like, a, oh, what's well, free speech. There is a. We talked about this with our on our Bruce Lee episode that there mm-hmm. is a level among, in the entertainment industry and in the public discourse that there is an acceptable amount of bigotry towards Asians in particular. It's like oh, it's not that big a deal. Oh, it's not that bad, right? Yeah. Like, so th- there's a problem here that that also plays. Well. That's also complicit in this right here. Yeah. yeah. No. Like I,
0: I've noticed that. Like I, I watch um I still watch While and Out every week. Right. I'm fucking stuck in the 2000s in the mid to late 2000s and watch While and Out. <laughs> um, like, I didn't even know that show was still on. Yeah, it's still around, bro. It's on fucking VH1 now instead of uh, MTV2. But it's Ugh. like they had um they had a YouTube uh creator by the name of. Uh, what's his name dumbfounded on there recently right or no sorry rice gum was on there and um all the jokes that they were making towards rice gum were about like how he eats dogs and cats and shit and Jesus i'm just like Christ. i'm like dude like first off like you can't come up with something more creative than that because they that's the same fucking jokes they were using about timothy de La five years ago you know like I'm like come on and it it seems like it's acceptable but like they don't make gay jokes anymore on there. They used to make gay jokes all the time. They stopped making it unless it's a gay character, a gay like person on the show making fun of like his gayness, you know. But mm-hmm. like, it's it's weird how like making fun of Asian stereotypes or not even stereotypes, just like racist tropes about Asians, is still acceptable on a show like While and Out that's been around for as long as it has and has like been trying to do better levels of comedy in like the last like. 10 years that it's been around for um and and how like certain other things aren't like it just blows my mind how it's still okay to like make fun of Asians.
2: well yeah of course i mean i as you know i well you know i don't i don't you know as, as much as i don't like to bring it up again but like i have mostly white friends right and i know they don't intend to be racist right but there is a thing where you know my race comes up in a jocular and you know in a, in a jocular tone more Then, you know, and and usually when it comes to kind of ribbing me, a lot of the times, the fact that I'm Asian around white people is is a big part of that. Right. And it's fine. You know, I'm okay with it. If I wasn't, I wouldn't be their friends. But, you know, there's it's a constant reminder that regardless of how you know, how much how well I speak the language, you know, how much I dress like them, how 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 much we have in common. You know, there is a constant reminder that I'm not white, right, that I am not Mm -hmm. a part of that group, which is fine. I don't want to be a part of that group, but, you know, um, the uh, Andrew Yang, actually, presidential candidate, oh, had Jesus. Me- you know, he he had mentioned this thing. I, You know, we're, we're not really Yang gang people here, but like, you know, the whole thi- the whole thing talking about how, you know, how there's a certain level of acceptability when it comes to, to Asians as opposed to black people with using the N word regards of that is, is very true. You know, and he had mentioned that and, you know, in his response in his response to um shane gillis in this situation you know and you know i, I know a lot of people are, and a lot of people are fans of andrew yang you know he seems he has his uh, his own problems he's for those who don't know he's also you know he's the guy who wants to do a, you know what is it the uh the uh, was a universal uh basic income type stuff and some yeah. interesting universal in there. basic income there's yeah.
1: there's there's merits to the argument andrew yang's interpretation of universal basic income is like different thing yeah it's that weird
2: free it's like it's like bribing your own citizens but that's neither here yeah. nor there <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. It's
1: missing something
2: so like number one you know i when i when i first learned about andrew yang right i'm like oh this is actually pretty cool you know we have a presidential candidate who is of southeast asian descent you know we have we agree on a lot of things right and then i found out that he was literally in your neck of the woods Ali. he was just in philly you know for the uh uh workers presidential summit and this this guy in Philadelphia went to a Jersey Mike's and ordered a fucking chicken cheese steak, right? So I immediately decided that I am not voting for him anymore because of that,
0: no, right? It's blasphemy, blasphemy, that's not, yeah,
2: you know. But that's neither here nor there, right? The thing is, he's the one that's been reaching out to Shane Gillis about about this thing because Gillis has actually had a stand up about Andrew Yang where he calls him like a, you know, a, excuse my, you know, just I am going to trigger you, or trigger alert, right? Because I am going to use the term, right? He calls him like a Jewish chink or something like that. Right and um, you know there's it's you know and that's you know that's that's not funny. Wait, who said right? that? There's nothing funny about that. You're not pushing the boundary. That, or anything. Shane's you, the one who says Shane that. Gillis did. Okay, okay, yeah. So there, yeah, there's a whole stand. You know, there's there's this whole thing where he mentioned this, and he's you know, so there's a little bit of uh, you know, and you know, Andrew Yang kind of reached out and being like, you know, I don't think he should have been fired from his job. Right. I think it's problematic, but it's like, I don't think we should be, whole, you know, we shouldn't be making people unemployed because of things that they've said, you know, um, Andrew Gill or excuse me, um, Andrew Yang is one of these guys right now who is kind of, you know, he's an Internet darling. He's a YouTube comment darling, you know, because a lot of people think that, you know, he's he sounds the most reasonable because he doesn't really want to put to task kind of the, that extreme language that mm-hmm. Shane Gillis was putting forth. You know, and I'm just interested to see what you guys think, because, you know, I for the most part, I understand not wanting to fire someone, you know, for the things that they said. But at the same time, Shane Gillis said this shit, this secret podcasting, all this stuff, it's not like it happened 10 years ago, like with James Gunn. You know, this is shit that happened months ago. You know, this is very recent stuff. And the fact that someone's going to tell me that as an Asian American, I can't express my outrage over the things that he said, you know, because because he's gonna lose his job, you know it doesn't make sense to me.
1: Well, he the problem is that Andrew Yang is he's weaponizing the in group mentality. So he he notes, for example, that that uh, you know in group amongst Asian Ameri- young Asian Americans, right, is to make self deprecating jokes, right, and that's appropriate, right. In the same way that yeah. Muslims might make jokes about 9-11, not nine 11 but being terrorists, right. Oh, you terrorists, yeah, yeah. this right. Context matters here. On the other hand, a white person going, hey, you terrorist, that's a different conversation. Yeah, it's true. So the context here matters. And he and he's weaponizing that. He's kind of removing the context. Goes, oh, you know, we Asians are self-deprecating. No one should get in trouble for making uh, Asian jokes. I happen to love making Asian jokes, and I'm not going to apologize for it. That's what he says yeah but you're asian right that's the that's what he's not understanding is that he's asian he can make those jokes right in the same and, way, yeah. way that a black person can use the n word because they're what they're doing is retaking the power from the harm
2: yeah, so if yeah, you're making yeah.
1: self deprecating jokes what you're fundamentally doing is taking the harm and removing the teeth from it you're going, this yeah, can no like longer that. harm me. I'm using it against myself. I'm using it in my group. But an outsider who's using it is still using it to harm. And that's what he's yeah. not understanding. Now, the problem here is, is not, I'm not sure if he doesn't understand. I'm wondering if he's pandering to his audience here.
2: Yeah, there is an, that's a, there's a, a
1: play. He's huh? playing up the model minority role very well here because the people who really thought it was great that he responded in this way were all white dudes. White dudes who went and saw this and went, ah, look at how gracious he's being because it's always minorities that have to be gracious, not white people who need to be aware or educated or informed. Well, what he's trying to do is
0: he's – yeah, well, he's trying to court the, the Bernie bros, right? Because Not like, the
1: Bruny bros, I don't think. He's quoting a different demographic. This is a common mistake, is that he's the Bernie bros. No, he's the very online segment of kind of progressive but libertarian groups. The tech bros in particular are the people that are drawn to Andrew Yang. The Reddit people. He's from San Francisco, right? too. So the, right? the uh, tech bros are really drawn to him. The Reddit people are really drawn to him. The people online who like some of his kind of liberal progressive stances on social issues, but also are favorable towards what is fundamentally upholding the status quo. That's what Andrew Yang represents. We, I talked earlier about uh, how his universal basic income doesn't really stand up. And that's because part of his approach to universal basic income is not the creation of class solidarity, workers uniting, right? Instead, it's I'm going to give you this amount so that you don't have class solidarity. Forget about class solidarity. Forget about, forget about mobilization. Forget about organizing along class lines. Here's some money, right? And that's what we're seeing here. We're seeing the same thing in this particular issue, is that he's not, he's going, oh, you know, you can make those type of jokes because we're self-deprecating. I'm self-deprecating. He is maintaining the same same status that exists while giving some veneer of being progressive and open-minded and enlightened. Oh, look how enlightened I am. I'm willing to accept this guy who's using racial slurs against Asians. Great. You've given the the past to a white guy. That's fantastic. But simultaneously, you've stripped all context of what self-deprecating humor actually is how humor should be punching up not down and more importantly you are maintaining that it's okay to say jokes that are harmful because you think it's it's okay
0: well so it's it's um like where i grew up in in northern virginia right i I grew up in an area with a lot of uh, minorities and a lot of black people right and there was a few of us who weren't black who got the okay to say the n-word from our black friends Right, like we got the pass to say it, and uh, like I, I think we did an episode on this on the Samwar Network podcast, like a year and a half, two years ago, where we we talked about the black card, where you where you got the pass to use the n word, and just because like your group of friends let you make those jokes or let you say like those words doesn't mean it's okay for you to say that right. out in the past or just because you know, like, and and I think that's what it kind of breaks down to, right? And I. Because I, like, I make jokes about Middle Eastern people all the right. time, right? I, I'm always making Persian accents. I do Arabic accents. I do Indian accents because I'm from that area. I'll make those jokes at work and I'll look at my coworkers and be like, I can say these things. You can't. If you say it, I will slap you, oh, see, right? And they look at me like, there's a, di- sorry, there's a
1: difference there, right? Because again, you're... You're taking away the teeth of what are fundamentally harmful jokes. When someone uses that mm-hmm. accent against you, they're weaponizing it. They're otherizing you. They are, uh, they're making you feel different. They're making you feel small. That's the purpose of those jokes, whether it's the accent, whether yeah. it's something of a stereotype, whether it's calling you a terrorist, etc. When you make those jokes, what you're doing is removing the hurt from them. You're removing mm-hmm. the power yeah. that it has over you. It's a way of reclaiming, yeah, exactly. right? That's what people are understanding here. And this is the problem with Andrew Yang. His, what his uh, you know, approval does here is it gives free reign for all the people who don't want to be self-aware. Who don't want to be self-critical? Who refuse? Let's be clear: we're talking about white people, white elite people who are looking or going. You know what? I don't want to admit that we have a problem with race. I don't want to admit that we're complicit in anti-Asian bigotry. I don't want to admit that we've allowed it to become acceptable. I don't want to admit that I want to say racist things without being called racist. They are willing to say, "I don't want to do all that," but what I do want you to do is be gracious when I do all of this, when I make yeah. anti-racist, when I make uh, anti-Asian racist remarks, when I use anti-Asian uh, racial slurs, when I refuse to acknowledge that I'm racist, you should be gracious. And that's what Andrew Yang's conversation has allowed them to do. This was a great response. It was a fantastic How gracious of him. What we don't need is grace, what we need is a call to be self-critical, to be still aware. Call to action. That's what we need, and Andrew Yang fundamentally failed in that regard.
0: No, yeah. and and you know what? I think that this whole Shane Gillis thing and him getting like the limelight is exactly what someone in his position wants. Like, yeah, he probably would have loved to have been on like Saturday Night Live, but you know, damn well this motherfucker is gonna go make a killing. Yeah, like, he's going to rebrand
1: himself against yeah. the PC stuff. It's you know, it's, a, yeah, like it's e-
0: Exactly. But you know what? Fuck him. V you were saying that, like you said this earlier, that it took away the spotlight from uh, a gay Asian, uh, a gay Asian American comedian that they put on, on Saturday night live. Well, why don't we highlight some Asian Americans
2: that haven't been getting the spotlight? Yeah, uh, of course. Uh, you know, it- you know, we, we had talked about this before because it is the uh, I think it's the 50th anniversary of Scooby-Doo, um, you know, which is a, a cartoon that, you know, was literally has been on and has created its own, you know, has, has literally refreshed itself, you know, since probably I mean, for for 50 years. Right. Um, It's it's crazy to think that there are new Scooby-Doo cartoons coming out now. Right. Um, I, I think that's one of those things where we, we, we kind of overlook uh, the impact that it kind of has, especially in our childhood. Um The one thing that people don't realize, though, is that, you know, a lot of our favorite cartoons, a lot of our favorite things were created conceptualized, drawn um, by Asians and Asian Americans who very seldom get kind of the the nod until well after they're dead. And I think there's two people who i really wanted to highlight because because of scooby-doo's anniversary and also because um one of my favorite comic creators now joshua luna kind of brought this up also is the fact that it was it's okay for disney and all of them to highlight their achievements well after they're gone but they certainly didn't bother doing it while they were alive and how they when when they could have appreciated it right um one of them i want to bring up with uh, you know, with uh, Scooby-Doo is Iwao Takamoto, mm. who literally American citizen, right? His dad actually uh, immigrated from Hir- Hiroshima and, you know, they lived through Japanese internment. He learned how to draw in an internment camp, right? His he his his family or his dad, him and his dad were literally stuck in a camp that we put them in. He was an American citizen, mm. you know, and he lived through that. And he's responsible for literally designing, you know, the body and the kind of the shape of Scooby-Doo and other Hanna-Barbera characters. He's also a legend in Disney. Like he created, he contributed to some of the, you know, some of the biggest uh, animated movies, you know, in the 60s and the 70s. Um, and then another one I want to bring up is a guy named Tyrus Wong, who, you know, was even, you know, even older, who would live through the Chinese Exclusionary Act, which was literally like our own apartheid against Chinese immigrants, mm. Right. This was this was at a time where this is and this isn't I think this isn't spoken. You know, Ali, you make it a point to talk about Japanese internment any chance mm-hmm. you get. You know, um, I, I think I think people don't re- it's, it's hard for people to, to to realize this, too. But like, you know, black Americans or, or stolen Africans, you know, weren't the only people who were broken by the system. Right. You know, you have you have the Native Americans who were broken by the American system. You had a lot of Asian communities that were also broken by the system, along with black people amongst other other races. You know, uh, during the you know, during the Chinese Exclusionary Act, it was it was a response to immigration. It's not that much different from what we're going through now, you know, with, uh, you know, with with children in camps at the border. Right. And Tyrus Wong, you know, was literally like his his art and his distinct style literally contributed to the creation of one of the most iconic Disney movies, you know, in the in in the world, which is uh, with Bambi, right, with his his backgrounds and his paint style and everything else, and he seldom got his recognition, you know, up until Google decided to do like some special thing for him on the Google Home screen, you know, several years ago. The man lived to be like 106 years mm-hmm. old, and barely anyone knew who he was. And he was, you know, he was a legend in the animators business. Well, that's the thing, right? In in society, like we don't want to give credit to
0: to people of color or immigrants or people who who aren't like white, like especially like things that we take from the past. Like we we don't bring up diverse voices in the entertainment industry. We don't bring up uh, diverse voices in in politics and stuff. Only like recently have we been like celebrating them, and that's because. Like there's a lot of young people now who who come from different Mm -hmm. backgrounds who wanna see people like them on the screens, who wanna see people like them, you know, like doing good doing big things so that they could like reach out for that Mm -hmm. stuff. And you know, like that's all it is. It's like we, we need to to reshape the the focus, especially in a negative light like this. And I think, you know, like you highlighting, you know, the people that you did was great because we're gonna take this negative and spin it into a positive, and that's what we need to do when negative things like this happen.
1: Right. Spinning into a positive Absolutely. is good, but also confront the negativity. Like that's the thing that we want to yeah. always walk away from. This is like the, the the conversation about being magnanimous and gracious and whatnot is is uh, is designed to help people with a vested interest in you being gracious. Mm-hmm right? The people who will benefit from you being gracious. And I think quite the opposite is true here, that we could be a little less gracious, that we could be a little bit more bluntly honest. Hey, that's fucking racist. I'm okay with it. I'd rather us be more honest as a society, call things out as being racist, than rather than treat the calling out of racism as a divisive topic itself, because that's not divisive. What is divisive is bigotry yeah. and prejudice and racism. And that's the reality here is like people calling out Shane. That's not the divisive part. Shane saying fucking racist things on his podcast. That was divisive part. And that's where we need to put the locus of focus on. So long as we kind of allow this conversation to fall into the, like, is this PC culture gone too far? Have, the, is this the internet mob gone too far? Is this really, if we've all, if we let the focus go elsewhere, we've lost the fucking plot. People really you know, want Ali, us to lose the plot.
0: You know, I agree with you 150%, yeah. but goddammit, stop saying words like a weirdo. The word is divisive. Stop saying divisive, renaissance, encyclopedia. Divisive is encyclopedia. The perfectly,
1: perfectly fine way of saying it. I don't know what your problem is. No. Just because you're an divisive. unlettered, uncouth piece of shit, it's not my problem. Generation, you got no couth.
0: Generation Z. You've got Zed. no, you've got no couth, you
1: coofless, Yeah, yeah. You're cuthless. Yeah. <laughs> <All right. laughs> and we're gonna end this podcast here. Uh let us know what your thoughts are about this. Um, you know. This podcast, I know we we often talk about being woke or whatnot, but you can tell we're not a PC podcast in any way, shape or form. Um, and we reject the kind of language about PC culture and we reject the language about a lot of this because I think being woke isn't about being PC. Being woke is simply aware of the power dynamics that exist in our world. Um, and if you're not woke then you're either benefiting from those power dynamics or you're a blind fool one or the other your decision so we're gonna <laughs> end this podcast here we're gonna have Diz let you know how you can get a hold of us
0: i'm surprised you didn't say awake like uh, captain holt from <laughs> brooklyn 99 <laughs> um, but you could find this on uh facebook we're at facebook facebook.com slash currently nerdy we're on twitter at currently nerdy instagram at currently nerdy tumblr currently nerdy.tumblr.com youtube youtube.com slash currently nerdy we're on stitcher google play and the itunes podcast app um, you're probably listening to us from one of those three sources right now uh and if you are make sure you're subscribed to us and if you're already subscribed to us then write us a five star, write us a review and give us a five star rating and if you've already done that go find the friend share our podcast with them and be like yo these dudes made some great points you should listen to this podcast so send it out to your friends and if you want to get a hold of us individually and you know, like tell us how we use weird words.
2: You can. V, how could they reach out to you? All right, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Vtran Two One Four. That's V Y T R A N Two One Four. And listen, my friends, I have for anyone in Orange County, right? Don't be like Andrew Yang. You know, don't sell out to the establishment. All right. If you want to get a good fucking cheesesteak, I have a 10 Beth cheesesteak list on the sandwich as we speak. It's constantly changing as we try new places. So by all means, Check it out and don't be a dick, Ali. Did you say cheesesteaks in Orange County? Yes. All right, well. Well, There's not much you can, you know, like, (laughs) what are you going to do? And I didn't say Philly cheesesteak. I just said cheesesteak. So what V is offering you is a map
1: to salvation, because Lord knows you can't find decent food in Orange County. So check out his blog, because you'll have an actual map of good places to eat. He's done the legwork. You've put yourself on the line, and you've had many a shitty cheesesteak until you found the right ones
2: right that's, that's he true said. that's what that's what he yeah said. I, oh my god the, the 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 hardship that i went through to get this list to you guys the
1: suffering this poor man went through just for you people to have a good cheese steak. that's right
2: i was single single-handedly keeping pepto-bismol afloat for years now because of this <laughs> how was that for problem? you and i that's, both. that's
1: good right that's a good problem yeah, right yeah. There. <laughs> all right you can all catch me on uh my uh instagram and twitter at a a o l o m i uh, or on our sister podcast, Head on History Diz.
0: You can find me everywhere at DizBullah, D-I-Z-B-U-L-L-A-H. And also, coming out soon, and it should already be out by the time you listen to this podcast, Currently Nerdy Sports. It's our new brother podcast uh, with me and my Comedy buddy and Jack, right on there. Yeah, it's a, well, you said sister, so I said brother. <laughs> Why is sports got to be brother? I don't know, man. Why is history got to be sister? It's because I'm, I'm, I'm all about equality okay well so am i you made a sister podcast i'm making a brother podcast it's it's, yeah um but yeah check that out currently nerdy sports we talk uh, a lot about what's going on in the nfl right now and we give you tips for your fantasy football team so uh if you have friends who play fantasy football share that podcast to them it's currently nerdy sports
1: for everyone here at currently nerdy thank you for tuning in remember stay smart sexy nerds
0: all hail the currently nerdy empire